This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. So we are dealing with the main topic of are you prepared for the married state? And my section within that main topic starting today is we're going to answer the question why and when premarital counseling. Why and when premarital counseling. Now, if you will, turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. Very popular, very popular passage of Scripture. It says, Whoso findeth a wife, verse 22, Proverbs 18 and 22, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. No doubt, it doesn't have to use the word marriage, we all understand. This is about marriage. It says, if you find a wife, find a good thing. And I want to make sure we understand this. You know, the Bible doesn't say she that finds a good husband or she that finds a husband. It, because God has a certain way of looking at things, you know. And after all, he's God. But whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. And obtaineth favor of the Lord. And I want to make sure you understand this. It says, obtaineth favor of the Lord. Here's all I want you to get from that. We're not... We're not delving deep into that, but all I want you to get from that is that once you make your choice to be married, God says you're married. Amen? Okay. Hebrews chapter 13. It says wife is a good thing. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse number 4. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Now, what I want you to focus on right now is this marriage is honorable in all. Marriage is to be honored. And that's why the bed is undefiled. You need to keep the bed undefiled because marriage is honorable in all. So, so God seems to indicate to us that marriage is good. Marriage is not a bad thing. Now, I want to make sure you understand this as well. In the day that we live in, we got to make things clear. We got to make things plain. Now, this is talking about God's idea of marriage. Now, I want to make sure you understand this. This, the world seems to float as far as what they think is acceptable. God's standards remain the same. Now, when it says that God's idea of marriage, here's what I'm talking about: when a man chooses a woman and they agree to enter into a covenant before witnesses, that's marriage. Now, let me make sure I say that again. When a man chooses a woman and they agree together to enter the covenant of marriage, God says, okay, you got my favor in that thing. Man choosing man, I don't care what legal documents you have, that's not, that doesn't apply here. Woman choosing woman, I don't care what legal documents you have, I don't care what state you live in. That doesn't apply here. Let's make sure we do not get this twisted. Now, here's what, I, here's what I find amazing. You could be a believer and make a bad choice, and God says, okay, you still have my favor in it. In other words, God says, now, I know how this is going, but as long as you're willing to work it, I'm there with you to help it out. 
but it's got to be a man and a woman. It can't be woman and woman. It can't be man and man. Okay? So we understand that. So in his idea of marriage, he said, hey, once you enter into marriage, you know, you find a wife, you find a good thing. You got my favor in it. I'm supportive of the marriage union. And marriage in itself is honorable and all. So in all honesty, we get this idea that marriage is good. And, and again, I want to make sure that I've got to make things balanced. Because sometimes when we're not married and we get our eyes so fixated on marriage, we fail to understand that it's not bad not to be married. Paul said, now I would that you were all as I. But every person has their proper gift of God. So don't let people put pressure on you because you're not married as if something is wrong with you. Where you are is good not being married. Nothing wrong with that at all. And all I'm saying, you know what you're freed up to do? You're freed up to be more available to God. But nonetheless, this is premarital counseling. So we're not trying to talk you out of marriage, but at the same time, we don't want you caught up as though you have to get married. Okay. But marriage in itself is good. Marriage is not a bad thing. But not all marriages are equal. So look at this in Proverbs chapter 30. We'll run from scripture to scripture from time to time, but it's all good. Proverbs chapter 30. Verse 21. For three things, the earth is disquieted, and the four which it cannot bear. See, the land is troubled by these things. Verse 22, for a servant when he reigneth, and a fool when he's filled with meat. For an odious woman when she is married, and a handmaid that is heir to her mistress. It says, now, three things, four things it just can't handle. <laughs> and one of those things is an odious woman when she's married. An odious is like a contentious, a, a hateful, a hated woman. A woman that's hard to love when she's married. Earth is like, you know, here's the point of, of these. We're not going to get into it because we're talking about premarital counseling. But the scripture, this is Proverbs has wisdom. And sometimes wisdom is not just, you can't just get it at the surface. You have to dig a little bit deeper to understand what wisdom is. Because when you see this, like, hey, what's wrong with a servant when he reigneth? Well, when you look at these things, Here's the point of this, and I probably should have put it up there in the notes, but I didn't. Some people in certain places of their life have no business in certain roles and in certain situations. <laughs> Let me make sure I say that again. This is wisdom talking. Hear wisdom. Some people in certain places of their life have no business in certain roles and situations. Because when you get there, you become insufferable. My point being in this is that some people ought not be married. And when they are married, it ain't good. We're talking about premarital counseling. Why and when should I get premarital counseling? Another case in point, 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16. Starting at verse 29. 1 Kings 16 and 29, it reads, And in the thirty and eighth year of Asa, king of Judah, 
began Ahab, the son of Amri, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Amri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. And Ahab, this is the main character here, and Ahab, the son of Amri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, above all that were before him. That's a bad king. Verse 30 again, Ahab, the son of Amri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass. Oh boy, this is something else. Just this terminology. To find this terminology in the scriptures is amazing to me. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing. For him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Now, Jeroboam, he in all honesty, he introduced, if you will, idolatry and idol worship to the nation of Israel. So God is saying, now Jeroboam was bad. Ahab is worse. Because he said he did above worse than all the other kings before him. Now if it hadn't been enough that he followed after the example of Jeroboam. 31 again. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife. Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. Now, it, it, this gets me. He says, now, if it had been bad enough that he was just a bad sinner, he went and married the wrong, wrong woman. See, marriage, for the sake of marriage, you better watch yourself. If you don't know anything else about Jezebel, now, Jezebel has a name in the church, doesn't she? But if you didn't know anything else about Jezebel, you learned enough just from that scripture alone. It's like, my goodness. And again, we read all that scripture before that. And in all honesty, if you get married, God is going to honor that marriage. But sometimes God understands that you're marrying the wrong person. God understood that Jezebel was the wrong person for Ahab. But you know what Ahab wasn't doing? He wasn't listening to God. Oh, I know we always listen to God. Oh, if God were to speak, we would listen to him. But sometimes we don't understand how God speaks to us. Like in premarital counseling. Amen. Because we leave places like this and say, now, that was their opinion, but I'm going to do my own thing. And if it hadn't been enough that you followed after bad examples, then you go and you commit yourself to somebody that God says, oh, that's nothing but trouble. But as long as you're willing to work it, I'll be there to help you out, but it ain't going to end good. God says, I've been at the end. You should have listened to me at the beginning. See, marriage is not bad. Mm-mm-mm. Marriage in itself is not bad. But make the wrong choice. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. I know it gets quiet on that. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Now, if you're married and you made the wrong choice, guess what? Marriage is honorable and all. And the bed undefiled, you're in it. But we're not talking to you. We might be talking about you. But we're talking to those who are not married. We're trying to catch you so that you're not an Ahab who chooses Jezebel. See, and they think we're haters. Lovers of your soul. We're trying to prevent you from making a wrong choice. So here's my point in this. Marriage is not to be taken lightly. Neither is it to be entered into lightly. It's not like, I'm telling you, this, I, this is my mindset concerning marriage. It is the most significant decision you can make short of choosing Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. 
It's how monumental a decision it is. It's worth time. It's worth deliberate decision making. It's worth searching. Because you're tying your life for the rest of your life with someone else. And you want to have a good time. You want to enjoy life. And you don't want God saying, if it wasn't bad enough, (laughs) you don't want that as your testimony. So the question becomes, how do I know it's going to work out for me? What about when I get married? How do I know that it's going to work? How can I be assured? And all honesty, a large part of that is about you. A large factor in that is you. Because you're going to have to choose. And you have to make a solid decision. So the, the question is going to be, how solid is your choice? How solid is your commitment? Now, have you put away all your social connections aside from who you chose? Are you still following the wrong people? Potentials? You know, you have to have a solid commitment. You have to, you have to be willing to refuse all others and make this your one. Your only one. So a lot of that depends upon you. So we're talking about premarital counseling, and I want to make sure you understand what we're talking about premarital counseling or premarital teaching. This is you getting God's counsel on marriage before marriage. That's all it is. And I want to make sure you understand, get God's counsel. Don't be an Ahab. Get God's counsel before you are married. And I want you to understand this as well. Counseling is not reserved to a pulpit. It is not reserved to the pastor's quarters, to the pastor's office. You're born in a home with a mother and a father who know the Lord. They got, they got godly counsel for you. We thank God for our parents. If you don't, you should. Because they've been where you want to go and they've been where you don't want to go. They know how to navigate around where you don't want to go. They know how to navigate you to where you want to go. So take their counsel. Don't disdain. And not only that, we thank God that we have in our midst people, members of the ministry, who have been there, done that, who have made mistakes, and now are on the other side of their mistakes, who love you. And they got counsel for you. Listen to me. I want to make sure you understand this now. Premarital counseling is for all ages. But if you're a young person, don't listen to another young person. They have no experience. The experience they have, they're in the middle of. They haven't even seen it through yet. So don't be a blind person being led by another blind person. I believe they're a believer. They might be a believer, but they're not the ones you're supposed to receive counsel from. But there are those God has put around you and, and, and put you around them and they're there for your benefit and they've got godly counsel for you. They're not just there so you can have a care package. They're there to share with you God's wisdom. Take it. So here's my objective. My objective is just to answer the question, why should you get premarital counseling? And when should you get premarital counseling? It's very simple. Very, very simple. Now, why premarital counseling? Why don't we just get married? You know, here, here I am. 
I might be an unmarried individual, and there I am, I'm, I'm courting a, another unmarried individual, and, you know, I love them, they love me, let's get married. Why, why do I need to halt or stop for any premarital counseling? I'm going to tell you why. Why premarital counseling? Number one, to know how to choose. To know how to choose. Number two, to know what you're signing up to. <laughs> to know what you're signing up to. You need to know how to choose, and then you need to know what you're signing up to. Number three, because God hates divorce. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the person next to you is doing. I don't care what's popular. I don't care how prevalent it is. God hates divorce. And number four, you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared. Some things we think just come naturally to us. That's what we say in our youth. Oh, it'll come now. I'll know how to do it. That's ignorance talking. For marriage, you need to be prepared. So why? To know how to choose. To know what you're signing up to. Because God hates divorce. And you need to be prepared. Now you can get married. Ignorant of all of these things. Do you hear me? You can get married. It's obvious. People do. You can get married ignorant of all of these things. Just know that the choice is yours. And the benefits or the consequences, they belong to you too. The benefits come when you make wise decisions. Consequences come when you don't make wise decisions. But whatever decision you make, it's yours. You plant the seed, you get to eat the fruit, whether good or bad. So I want to make sure we're not stopping anybody from being married. Anytime you so choose, you can go, somebody will marry you. When I say somebody will marry you, I'm not talking about the person you're marrying. I'm talking about the person who actually officiates the service. You can go, you can go some places and they don't care. They won't ask any questions. Here, we understand that God hates divorce. And we may not be so quick to officiate just anything that you bring in here. But the choice is yours. Don't sit up here and say, they, they, they won't let me get married. Who's stopping you from getting married? The choice is yours. Hmm. But once you are married, God sees you as married, and you're committed to keep that covenant. This is serious. This is not plaything. All right. So we said, number one, we need to know how to choose. Turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. God, for us, establishes the pattern. Genesis chapter 2. Verse 18. Are you there? All right. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man, here referring to Adam, should be alone. 
I will make him and help meet for him, a help suitable for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is not bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall, call, she shall be called woman. Somebody said, he said, whoa, man. Because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, I want to make sure you see this. In verse 18, God says it's not good. And he ends it by saying, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make him a help meet for him. So in verse 18, God knew what he was going to do in verse 21. But between 18 and 21, he gives us 19 and 20. See, God is doing this deliberately. God is saying, now it's not good for Adam to be alone. Now at this point, Adam's like, well, it's not. <laughs> I'm, doing all, I'm all, doing all right by myself, but God has a plan. And as far as God's plan, when he says it's not good, he's talking about his will. God is thinking about his will. So he says, now, my will can't be completed by Adam alone. So I'm going to make him a help. But before I can, see, before I can give him the help, he needs to understand how good this help is. So he brings to him all the animals. And Adam, when he gets through, says, you know what? There's no help for me with this. See, God is counseling him. So here's the order that God gives Adam. First counsel. See, because see, God knew from the beginning, now you're going to get married. You're going to have a wife. But I need to make sure you get counsel before you get your wife so you can honor that wife as you ought to honor a wife. So that you can make that marriage honorable and all. So you can understand that whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. But first there has to be counsel. Then comes marriage. So in God's mind... It wasn't going to come naturally to Adam. So he didn't just bring Adam Eve. He had to give some counsel before Eve could be presented before Adam. And then when Adam, when Adam saw Eve, this is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. And they became one flesh. So that's the order. God established that pattern. Counsel first. Marriage after counsel is given. And you can go and you can do your own studies behind this, but you look at Abraham and you look at his son and how he dictated to his son who to marry and who not to marry. You look at Ruth. You know, the blessed thing about Ruth is that she wasn't looking to be married either. She said, it's not good that I'm alone. I'm all right. But Naomi gave her counsel. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to you. And here's the thing that sometimes we miss. 
See, our parents see better than we do. Ruth didn't recognize that Boaz was a good catch. Can I say it that way? Naomi did. She said, girl, <laughs> do you understand? Let me give you some counsel. See, sometimes we miss that. See, our parents will tell us, tell us somebody's not for us and we get all mad, all frustrated. Not understanding that there may be a Boaz at the end of that counsel if you just take it. I want Boaz, but you won't listen to counsel. Counsel is supplied so that you may know how to choose properly. Counsel is supplied so that you might know how to choose properly. Here is what's understood. That once you get godly counsel, you'll take it. I don't believe there's any lack of godly counsel. I believe there's too much not taking godly counsel. You say amen for somebody else. Because I know you're not going to say amen for yourself. Because we're swear up and down. No, I listen to God. No, I obey God. Whatever God says, I'm going to do. That's why we need truth tellers in our life. That's why we need some people who are honest with us. And tell us about us. Even when we don't like what they say. Because we know it's true. So don't be mad at us when we tell you the truth. Those are people being helpers of your joy. People get mad at ministers because they tell the truth about them. <laughs> as long as we tell the truth about somebody else, yeah, that's, they're, they're low down dirty. They're no good. Now, you didn't obey. Now, wait a minute now. <laughs> you didn't cross the line. So with this in mind, when do I need counsel? I need counsel well before I choose someone I think I want to marry. I need counsel well before that time. How do I say this? Yeah, yeah this is a great, a great time to go grocery shopping is when you're not hungry. You feel me? You understand what I'm talking about? See, because when you when you done been got, it's hard for you to listen. When you've tasted of the fruit, you should not have eaten up. It's hard for you to listen. I don't, again, where do I get, why do I seem like sometimes I'm just out there in the sea? Nothing but ocean of silence around me. And no amens anywhere to be found. No sight of amen. But I know it's true. Some of us have tasted things we ought not have tasted of. And it makes it hard for us to hear God's voice properly. And we're so worked up chemically that no matter what anyone tells us, we're going to go through with it. You don't need to make an impulsive buy because you're hungry. Boy, where's sight of land? So how do I choose? How do I choose? If I want to make a choice, if I want to make a wise decision, how do I choose? Very simple. Establish a standard and stick to it. Establish a standard. Stick to it. 
How do I establish a standard and stick to it? In other words, not anybody's going to do. Well, they look good. No, you've got to have a standard. Well, they smell. No, you've got to have a standard. And then you've got to stick to it. Standards are non-negotiable. Once you set a standard, here it is. Some places, some businesses say no shoot, no shoe, no shirt, no service. See, that's the standard. And you try to go in there without any shoes, without any shirt, and they don't serve you because they keep to their standards. No shoes, no shirt, no service. You ought to be the same way. No Jesus, no chance. Now, now we can go on a date and I can eat your food with your money. I'm talking about the female. But you don't have a chance if you don't know Jesus. And I don't mean say you know Jesus. You got to know him. See, once you have standards, you ought to have tests for your standard. See, what's your pH level? Are you acidic or are you basic? <laughs> are you neutral? You've got to be able to hold to your standards. See, because too many times we say we have standards, but there's no testing. No, I, I, we go back to the old days, right? I, I just, this is where I come from. You know, your parents would ask you, who's their pastor? <laughs> See, they, they were testing the acidity. <laughs> See, then, then, then it's going to come up, well, well, we haven't really talked about church, and they're going to look at you funny then. Really. <laughs> and then, you know, we don't have the community like we used to, but where I come from, there was community. And you would have to be interested in somebody, and I, I guarantee you, my people knew their people. I, I know we go online nowadays. We don't know whose people are whose people. We just said they're compatible compared to, I mean, when we looked at the, the online requirements. But back in the day, we had community. And so we could tell you about what their people were into, what church they went to, what they were following, if they were following anything at all. Nowadays, and I'll say it, we get so desperate, we go online. We get desperate for companionship thinking that God's not enough for us. I'm sorry that I was the one to say this first to you. But that's the reality of it. You think you can't do it all. And here's the thing that gets me. You're in a church. And in this church, don't we do things? Don't, and even when we don't do things, can't we come up with things and we end up doing them together? But somehow you're lonely. Something's going on in the flesh. And I'll tell you, many of us have tasted what we shouldn't have tasted of. And we think we're over it, but we're not. Bring it back. I was talking about how to choose. And I know you're glad I'm off of that. All right. Establish a standard and stick to it. I remember where we were. No Jesus, no chance. See, standards are non-negotiable. 
Oh, I'll accept your Jesus. No, 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 no. If you don't already know him, there's no chance. And I want you to accept him. <laughs> but I mean, I have to marry you. Doesn't mean I have to get involved with you. <laughs> the standards are the must-haves without exception. They are not preferences. See, we've got to be balanced here. <laughs> They're not preferences. They're minimum requirements. <laughs> Sometimes we confuse our standards with God's standards. And they're really just preferences. How do I tell a preference? Well, there are standards that God points out plainly. And there are other things that we say we have to have that God says, I don't care. That's a preference. For example, they need to go to my church. That's not in the Bible. <laughs> that's your preference. And if that's your preference, that's your preference. I'm not saying anything is wrong with it, but don't say it's a standard of, of a must-have. And if it's a standard that's a must-have, you might be waiting a long time. And don't get mad. Because that's your preference. And it's all right to have preferences. There's nothing wrong with preferences. But sometimes I believe preferences ought to be negotiable. And don't be mad because other people have their preference. And you have yours. Oh, preach, preacher. You know, somebody marries somebody of a different Caucasian, I mean, a different persuasion. Here I go, right? <laughs> but she's got something to say about it. But that's their preference. That's their preference. So you like chocolate. Eat yourself some chocolate. They like vanilla. Let them enjoy their vanilla. Some like raspberry. Let them enjoy their raspberry. You make your choice. Let them make their choice. Doesn't mean anything's wrong with that union. I say this for the sake of when we give counsel as well. We don't give godly counsel by saying they're the wrong persuasion. That's not godly counsel. Now, godly counsel says they don't know God. That's godly counsel. You see, there's balance here. So there's standards and there's preferences. And what we're going to give you is godly counsel concerning the standards, the non-negotiables, the minimum requirements. Godly standards are to, be the, are to be the beginning of any standards when it comes to your companion. Godly standards are the beginning of any standards when it comes to your potential mate. Are they born of the Spirit? Are they born again? Hallelujah. Glory to your name. I'm telling you, this is the benefit of being a member of this ministry. We don't play. Because we know many call themselves Christians. And a person calling himself a Christian, that means nothing. But are they born again? See, there's a difference when you ask a person, are you a Christian? And are you born again? You'll find that many people will give you totally different responses. Somebody will say, yes, I'm a Christian. But when you ask them, are you born again? They're like, what? Well, I don't know about all that stuff. See, this is what I'm saying. It's got to be minimal. And you have to have your test. They can't just call themselves Christians and not be born again. Too many people are out there like that. You want to born again. Born of the Spirit. You really want a Spirit-filled, 
individual who's faithful and committed to God. Why? Because those people will be faithful to you. And don't you deserve somebody that's faithful to you? I say you do. Now you can go out there again. You can do your thing. It is your choice. You, you might say, well, I'm going to compromise on this standard and go ahead and get married anyway. It's yours. We're not going to deny you entrance into the church because you ignored our counsel. We open the doors every Sunday and we got people coming here every time that have rejected the counsel. But it's yours. And if you're going to set standards, and the closer you get to them, you have to be honest about their conduct. You have to be honest with yourself about your potential's conduct. Amen. This goes for your preferences as well. Now, now, I'm going to tell you ladies this, all right? I'm just going to throw it out there. You ought to be taken care of. This is the 21st century. I don't need no man to take Well, you don't have to be married. And even if you can take care of yourself, you still ought to be taken care of. And let me tell you this. You will get frustrated if you can't take care of yourself and you marry a man who can't take care of himself. And so you've got to be honest about their conduct but well before you walk down the aisle. If they can't hold a job now, don't be mad. Won't you say I do? And they can't hold a job after you're married. All the signs were there before. Got to be honest about their conduct. They can't make a decision now. And I'm telling you, brothers, brothers, here's some counsel for you. Don't be an indecisive man. (laughs) Don't be an indecisive man. A man who can't hold a job, a man who can't make decisions. You know what? Again, I'm I'm talking about my community. Here we go. You know what my community of ladies would call that? That's a sorry man. But here you are. You giving them a chance. They can't hold a job. They're indecisive. And you still say, I do. Don't be mad. When after you say, I do, and you've done had enough, there goes my English. When you said I do and you've done had enough and they're still as indecisive as they were before you married them. You've got to be honest about their conduct. Here's the other thing we need to make sure we understand. If they have a temper now. Oh, but I can change them. Don't be mad. Don't be mad. See, see you've got to eat the fruit of your decisions. That's why you need to know how to choose. That's why you need to get the learning of how to choose well before you have a potential mate. How dare we even entertain the thought of someone being brought up in this ministry marrying somebody who's abusive. Amen. Here I am out on that island again. I'm not saying it's you. God forbid it be you. Hey, and I'll be honest with you, if we find out you're in trouble, because we're going to tell on you. (laughs) We're going to straight up tell on you. 
We're going to provide shelter for those who need to get away from you. Anyway, let me let me keep moving forward. And for you brothers, I don't want to, you got to pay attention now. You got to spoil them now. You you know what I'm talking about. You're not even married. <laughs> Where's your money going? Boy, you've been working hard. Where's your money going? After you get married, don't get upset. <laughs> you know, you're in rags. <laughs> you want to die cheating good. <laughs> All the signs were there beforehand. You made the choice. Again, and a lot of these have to do with preferences. These are your preferences, right? And here you are. If you make a decision to marry somebody who is not born of the Spirit, who is not committed to God, and then you get to a place where the church wants to go forward, but you've already said, I do. And they're not down with where the church is going. That was your choice. Don't get mad at the church. The church is frustrating me, asking, asking me for this commitment, that commitment. In all honesty, God was speaking to you well before you ever said, I do. You either didn't take time to listen to him, or when you did hear, you ignored. You know, oh boy, I can go on and on about things you've got to pay attention to. Oh my goodness. And I'll say this for the younger sort. How in the world are you going to marry somebody who's disrespectful to adults? Disrespectful to their elders? I mean, that's a sign in itself. Now, that is not the fruit of a godly character. Here you go. Well, I do the same thing. Well, we got two fools marrying one another. That's trouble. But again, what happens is all the signs are there. Now, here's the thing you have to watch out for. I'm thinking of AMC. AMC, we talked about hypocrites. Y'all remember that? They're good thespians. They put on a good show. When someone is trying to get them interest, get you interested in them, they are Academy Award winning actors and actresses. This is why you got to have a test. This is why you got, and I want to see, trust me, trust me. You do not want to marry somebody you haven't seen go through some things. You want to see them when they are upset. I'm, I'm laughing because, again, I haven't watched this show in a while, but I used to like Bridezillas. I used to get a kick out of Bridezillas. Because I would see them, I'm like, now these, do these men see these women in their worst hour? Because we're going to find out. You need to know what you're signing up for. They're that way in preparation for a wedding. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And again, hey... I'm all in support of those brothers, but they're going to have to handle what they've got to handle. But all the signs are there. See, but you need to see them at their worst and know what you're getting, because you're going to see them at their worst. You're going to see them in their worst situations. I'm not saying every day. Oh, I hope it's not every day. See, that's the odious woman. <laughs> that's that everyday worst <laughs> woman. See, no, no, no. The earth is like, no, no, no. That's insufferable. But there will be times when they will be challenged. And here's the thing. You're going to be the one challenging them. See, at the wedding, all of their wrath is pointed everywhere else. But when you say, I do, 
Get ready. We're going to end right there for today. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.